Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Dr. Kate Watson, and I'm here with a really good friend and colleague and fellow speaker and trainer and entrepreneur, Mallory DeSale. And uh, I'm going to let Mallory introduce herself, but I do feel like I need the audience to know that Mallory isn't just any old friend. We, you and I, we've had some adventures together over the past, what, like six or seven years or however long it's been. Yeah. Six years plus. I think so. You and I and our friend Claire took a girl spa weekend in Stockholm. Like who does that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's an adventure. We do. We do. do. That's an adventure I have not had with anyone else in my life. Um, You and I took that weird cruise ship from from Stockholm <laughs> to Estonia and we sat there and like shared each other's hopes and dreams. <laughs> I I feel like that was a major bonding moment. Anytime you can sail the high seas with someone, you know it's real friendship. <laughs> we are we're the real deal. I mean it was sealed on that trip. Mm-hmm. I've seen you do stand up comedy successfully, mm-hmm. which I think is an important thing to add because <laughs> I've also seen some friends do stand up comedy who should not have been doing stand-up comedy at all. Um, You're among a small number of people who I've had stay in my guest room. Mm. Not not too many people have done that. You're a big deal. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. You have to follow that now. (laughs) This feels like a very big deal now. I have a lot of credentials that follow now. Well, hello, Kate. It's so good to see you, by the way. I I love seeing your face. Yes, I'm Mallory and I am, gosh, I'm lots of things, just as you sort of described. I'm really good at staying at people's houses. Um, I, <laughs> I love to laugh. I, one thing you didn't say about me, but a lot of people know me as an Oreo hunter. I seek out rare flavors of delightful sweet treats around the world, but <laughs> I don't get paid to do that. So I, I also have to have a job. Mallory, before you talk about your job, (laughs) you know, the Oreo thing is such a huge part of who you are. I'm like embarrassed. I didn't mention it. So there, yeah, that is a big part of you, but go ahead. So you also work. (laughs) Yes. Beyond, beyond being an Oreo sommelier, which is way fancier than Oreo hunter. I am a licensed mental health counselor. I'm faculty at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. I facilitate motivational interviewing training. I also help healthcare organizations learn how to talk about alcohol and substance use. I'm a mom. I have three interns is what I call them now. Now that we work in our homes a lot of times, (laughs) I'm a partner. My partner and I have been together 20 years. What? He is a lucky man. (laughs) Yes, he is. Yes, he is. (laughs) And I, I just am someone who tries to carry light, love, levity with me where I go and inspire people to get curious about 
how they can find that light and love wherever they go. And, and that sometimes comes in the form of humor. Sometimes it comes in the form of sharing affirmations. Ultimately, I just am somebody who likes to be with people and get to know more about folks around me. And that's why I love the chance to talk to you today, because being helpful is like my love language, Kate. <laughs> it's part of how I identify, you know. I have no doubt that being helpful is part of your love language. You know, Mallory, I, I travel around and speak to a lot of groups of people who want to be helpful. And I find that I end up talking about you a lot and you may not know that. Um, yeah, I probably have never told you that, but I, I, I name drop you like, you know, like you're my Brad Pitt or Angelina <laughs> Jolie or something. Um, I, I, it, your name comes up because sometimes people ask me, is it okay to be playful or informal or funny with the people who I'm trying to help? Um, and I think of you because you've really built a name for yourself in this world of what, what some people have never heard of, but it's called therapeutic humor, the way that humor really helps us and serves us well. And I know we will talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. You You bring so many other things to the table though, when it comes to being helpful. And, and sometimes I worry that you get a little boiled down to just like, oh, Mallory's the funny one. Um, and you are very funny, but you are more <laughs> than that. And I know you did a TED talk on a slightly different, but related topic. So what can you tell us about that? Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for dropping my name. Other than my mom, I don't know that many people that are like, have you met Mallory? Um, yeah, I appreciate that. I do bring the energy. I often have this sort of uh, larger than life aura, if, <laughs> if you will, this bright yellow energy that follows me. And it's part of something that I... I strive for, and yet there is a lot of intentionality that comes with that. And that's really what my TED Talk is about. It's about seeing the strength in people all around you and saying it out loud. So the TED Talk that I did in January 2021 is on the power of affirmations mm -hmm. and how seeing strengths in other people, but really naming it. And not using sprinkles, compliments, but really looking for that intrinsic value that someone is demonstrating and shining a light on it can impact some real change. And in that 13 minute talk, if you will, my goal is that people can see the impact that small words can have, because it can really lead to significant change. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that in so many different worlds, whether it's in the justice world where um, folks that are incarcerated that are encouraged to find strengths in people around them, how noticing those actually can change the culture in prison systems and therapeutic uh, environments, how it can change school systems, how it can change mental health. And, and so my goal of that talk was to really remind people, if you see someone really demonstrating something that's intentional and 
has effort and strength. It doesn't have to be perfection. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. even be an outcome. We're not highlighting success. We're highlighting effort, intention, value. And when we see someone, that is a feeling that is unmeasurable. It's, it's acceptance mm-hmm. on the highest level. I, uh, I, I was noticing how you made a distinction between affirmations and compliments. Can you say mm-hmm. more about that? Cause I'll bet, you know, keep in mind, Mallory, the audience here may be some counselors and social workers, but it's also just a lot of everyday people who mm-hmm. don't know the jargon or the lingo. So we try to just like strip that out. So what's the difference between complimenting someone and affirming someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe the definition is a little bit squishy, but the feeling, everyone will recognize the difference in the feeling. So a compliment, it, it doesn't feel bad. It's nice when someone says, girl, you look amazing today. And all of a sudden you go, oh, thank you. And then you think, well, how did I look yesterday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. a compliment is typically kind words. We like those that actually have an underlying judgment, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tend to be focused on the giver instead of the receiver. Mm -hmm. So I think that you look nice. So it's my opinion of you. Yeah. I am judging or approving of you. Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And affirmations instead take all the giver away. So it's just you are showing the world this is where you're putting your energy and effort. So Mallory, you are working so hard at staying patient with your kids. Mm -hmm. I just get to be a witness to this effort that you're putting forth. And I use that, I use that example of putting forth effort for being patient (laughs) because as a parent friend, it is so hard. Um, and, and often we want to be a good parent or we want our kids to demonstrate success, but that doesn't mean that we haven't put forth (laughs) of effort, no matter the outcome. So I like to use patience as an example, because I try, I try. And if somebody notices my patience, oh, thank you. I feel, I feel acknowledged and I can try again Mm -hmm. if my effort is recognized, because then I feel that my effort is making an impact. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes when I talk about affirmations and thank you for the distinction between compliments and, af- and affirmations, I try to talk about affirmations as an observation. And I, it's almost become just like a thing I repeat. Affirmations are observations. Affirmations are observations. And I thought to myself, Mallory sees it that way, too, because you just you described it as being a witness. You know, you're, you're just witnessing something. It's not that you're judging it, approving it, liking it, disliking it. You are just witnessing it and then saying out loud, Hey, look what I'd witnessed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just an observation. I think that can be really helpful. How do you, you know, you've mentioned being a parent. I think a lot of people listening 
are listening with parent ears on like, how can I use this with my teenagers? How can I use this even with my romantic partner? Any thoughts about the the benefit or value of, of seeing the good in people, affirming, making those out loud observations with your loved ones? Oh my gosh. It, it creates a great deal of trust mm. and really strengthens acceptance in your own heart as the giver and observer. And that develops the relationship that you're hoping for ultimately, where you can make more shared decisions, where mm. someone will be more forthright with you when they're considering something that you know is in conflict with your shared values. Uh, an example of that might be, uh, I have a teenager, I have a tween-ager, which is a 12-year-old, and I have a preteen, a 10-year-old. So you know that there's lots of decision-making happening in my house, and a lot of it is counter <laughs> what I wish <laughs> it would be. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the other day, my oldest, who is a 14 year old boy risk, risk taker time friends, he told me about a decision that I disagreed with. And instead of me sort of judging, I affirmed his willingness to be honest with me. I said, wow, that took a lot of courage for you to share that with me. That's not endorsing what he did, which is another fear that oftentimes parents, professionals feel when we affirm something that we disagree with, we feel like it's endorsing it. Like high five, you're smoking weed, way to go, bro. That's not what we're talking about, but we're really affirming, observing the effort that they put forth to do the value that we know is ultimately going to serve them well. Yeah. And honesty is going to serve my son well, ultimately, even if the decision he made leading up to that was less than, less than what I wished. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it also says to him, I see you as more than just this decision. You are, mm -hmm. you're a whole person and I'm seeing all of you, the, you know, the good and the not so good at this moment. <laughs> yeah. We're all better than our last worst decision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's a helpful way of putting it. And, you know, thinking about kind of going back to this idea of therapeutic humor, you know, mm -hmm. I, I suspect that these two things go together so well that your um, ability to be kind of light and fun and not take things so seriously all the time. I'm, the audience can't see that I'm using my hands to show that's <laughs> on one side. Okay. That's over here. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then with my other hand, I'm going to describe how you can be sincere with people and say to them, Hey, I just observed this amazing strength that you have when people can trust you, Mallory, to have both sides, they, they each mean more because for example, if you affirm me, if you say something to me, like Kate, I really noticed this amazing strength in you. And you, you, you say what it is. I can comfortably know if Mallory wanted to be silly and fun and joking. She knows how to do that. 
she chose to be sincere with me. And that somehow means more that like, you could have been the jokester. And in this moment, you looked into my eyes and told me something really kind and sincere and vice versa. When you're silly and fun and making me laugh, I also know you could have been a little bit more subdued and sincere, but you chose to be in your playful side with me. And I I think somehow that gives me so much more trust in whatever it is you're doing that it is intentional because you have these two sides that I know can come out at any moment. And when you pick one, I know it's that you meant to pick that side. Mm. Yeah. The way you're describing it, Kate, is an elegant way of saying that therapeutic humor is intentional and it's a measured way of demonstrating a great deal of emotional intelligence in a lot of ways. When we choose how we respond, we can be more helpful because we are able to better match with what the person might be needing in the moment. So it's, that's the whole purpose of, of choosing to use humor is that intentional effort to offer levity or respite to reframe a circumstance when necessary or when it benefits the other person. It is not a performance. It is not for my gratification. It really is very much like an affirmation in that the effort is for the other. And that is something that affirmations and humor share in common and can influence the same outcomes in that regard. And I think that there's there's some psychology to that, but I also think there's some neurophysiology to it. There's some expression of things like oxytocin, which is a neurotransmitter that is often talked about with mommies and babies. Mm. The bonding uh, is expressed through nursing, but really oxytocin is also expressed when someone shares laughter together. And when people share a smile together and that builds and develops trust. And what you are describing is that authenticity that is expressed. I think that too uh, is strengthened when we have that oxytocin effect. There's this authenticity, this trust. And if I am being real sticky, which is <laughs> what I think of as like, but um, ching. Now, I wish people could see my like blinking and my like uh, <laughs> on the camera. But if all I'm trying to do is like get the next punchline, then people feel like they're the butt of the joke. And ultimately that is going to build distance between us instead of offer a helpful, safe space where someone else can be their true self because they know I'm always going to be my true self with them. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a very helpful description because, you know, as you know, Mallory, I did an episode a couple seasons ago mm-hmm. on, um, you know, sort of the idea of well-meaning, but not so great humor when you're trying to be helpful. And, and the theme of that episode was something totally different than what you're describing, right? We were talking about the times 
that a person gets uncomfortable and they just start cracking jokes and they think they're being helpful, but they're really sending the message. Like, I can't handle this thing that you're bringing to me right now. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm freaking out. So I'm just going to go for the laugh right now. Um, and you're describing something completely different and I'm, I'm loving how you're emphasizing the word intentional. Mm-hmm. It's not something. So when I say it, therapeutic humor is not something that just comes flying out of your mouth because I didn't know what else to do. And I got uncomfortable. And in a moment of anxiety, I cracked a joke. That is not therapeutic humor. That is spewing stuff out of your mouth because you didn't know what else to say. Right. Yes. Um, and I know a lot of people who do that. Um, but you're describing the very intentional, very thoughtful calm and composed way that we can insert levity that might actually help a person. Um, and, and you're, you're sort of reading that in the moment to decide, you know, what might be a, a, a good way to approach helping this person. And, and if you decide based on what you're reading, that some very intentional humor could be helpful here, then yeah, then there's some space for that. Um, unfortunately, most people I know don't have the training that you have in therapeutic humor, um, which I really respect is that this isn't something you were just born with, that you, you really have taken the time to learn about this. Most people who I know are the type who just didn't know what else to say and just start cracking jokes. And they send me the message you know what, Kate, I just don't know what else to do. And I'm super uncomfortable right now. Um, So often when people use humor with me, I'm thinking, oh, they don't really want to talk about this, but Mm -hmm. that's not the case with therapeutic humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, therapeutic humor is a much broader strategy than jokes alone. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I hope people remember because very few people are comedians and human beings as a whole are more likely to laugh without jokes than from jokes. Mm. And that's really fascinating to me because we don't have to tell a joke to use therapeutic humor. That levity that you mentioned earlier, silliness, wit, uh, mirth, joy, all of that could fit within the context. This is where playfulness comes in. This is where making silly faces can come in, sending comic strips to people. I often use, believe it or not, therapeutic humor doesn't even have to be in really intense times. For instance, I have, when I'm away from my office, I use away messages, which everyone commonly does. And they're usually, I'm out of the office. But I always add a silly statement and then I link to a YouTube video that I think is fun. It's not Mm. always funny, but it's fun. So again, it just brings levity into the room. And I have gotten more replies to my away messages that just said, I really liked that link to the Billy Madison movie. I really liked that link to the uh, karaoke kid. I really liked that link to that X, Y, and Z. It just took the seriousness of the situation away that, oh, Mallory's out of the office. This is frustrating and gave it a reframe. Mm -hmm. And that moment just gives that person a new way to see the situation. So it doesn't always have to be a set up in a punchline. It can be in the form of music. It can be whatever is authentic 
and suits your style. And I think that gives people more freedom to help with humor in their own way, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having to use humor in a way that's inauthentic or that doesn't suit them. Uh, Yesterday, I was giving a presentation on applying humor and a man, (laughs) it was on Zoom and I loved it. All of a sudden I see this man with his foot on the screen (laughs) and he points at his socks and he goes, this, this, well, he was wearing socks with tacos all over them. (laughs) And I said, oh, you show your humor in your socks. He goes, yes, my clients love checking out what socks am I wearing today? And I said, yes, that's how you bring the humor. It's in how, what you wear. It just mm-hmm. creates levity in the room. And mm. it, it's totally what you need to be yourself, create comfort, safety, and levity. And it's not always in the form of a joke. I love it. I was also thinking um, beyond one-on-one conversations, like beyond mm-hmm. my friend is hurting and I'm going to help my friend. And again, I'm using my hands that no one can see. <laughs> But beyond that, there's some really great humor that has helped like societies or, you know, communities that are struggling. And I think of satire mm-hmm. as, as the kind of thing where, you know, I, I, I'm not an expert here, Mallory, so tell me if I'm wrong. But my understanding of satire is that it's meant to be laughing at people in power. It's, it's meant to be like they're the joke, the, the people who are kind of oppressing us or the joke. And I, I've often thought about just the power of satire for people who are in a struggle together to band together as a group and, and create something that makes fun of, you know, quote, the man or something like that. Like <laughs> how, how hugely therapeutic that can be in the world. Now, does that solve the power discrepancy or the inequity? No, it doesn't solve it. But I do feel like it empowers a group just a little bit to feel like we got together and laughed at that person who's hurting us and controlling us or that group of people who are hurting us and controlling us. And there's something about that that I feel is really empowering for the otherwise disempowered group. What are your thoughts about that? So it's really, it's, it's tricky because there's two sides of satire and I'm also going to put satire and sarcasm somewhere related. They're like cousins. Yeah. Uh, I think the current satire that's the most familiar to everyone is memes or Mm. gifs. So Mm -hmm. memes, for those of you that are listening, they're images or comics, graphics with a statement below it. Uh, One that most people probably are familiar with is that little kid that has his arm raised with like muscles that says like, you can do it. Mm -hmm. It's like a a meme of a kid. Um, Or GIFs are short clips of video that then have different graphics or memes associated with it. That's satire in current culture, where a satire would often be uh, the New York Post with the the images, the comic strips. So they can be very empowering, particularly for the groups of people that are being oppressed. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is sometimes they depersonalize the oppressor in a way that 
I think can be threatening overall. They might bring a group together, but they also create an acceptance that we can depersonalize someone or the other. And yeah. so the, the danger in that is we are always going to be an other to someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And so that's where sometimes satire ha- has to be used cautiously. And again, circling back to intentionality, you have to be real intentional about satire. So I prefer satire when it's about a shared experience versus a shared uh, hatred or yeah. shared oppression. Um, like uh, an example might be, we all have experienced a clogged toilet, uh, toilets mm-hmm. always are going to be our oppressor, but the toilet doesn't have feelings. So we can always turn a toilet into a monster. Mm. Whereas political satire then can be challenging sometimes because we're always going to create an other. And what that ends up doing ultimately is it builds a gap that is greater between. Now, here's the interesting thing. I worked with a a colleague of ours, uh, Patrick up in Canada. Uh, Patrick is a motivational interviewing trainer in Quebec, and he was supporting some local health professionals create a meme campaign to address COVID. Oh my gosh, I love it. Because memes using humor impact change. For real. So if we use humor and meme and satire for good, (laughs) (laughs) we can help public health change. We can Mm -hmm. change the world. And so it's all, again, about how intentional we are and how we do something that demonstrates a universality of our experience, pokes mm-hmm. fun at the absurdity in something that we all share, Yeah, then it can be extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. I think that's a helpful description. So, you know, there may be different um, goals uh, and, uh, of different types of humor. Gosh, we've named so many now, sarcasm, satire, um, I think you said mirth. I don't even know what that mirth. is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that joyful experience that you feel maybe when you're kind of tickled or. Oh, spilled. wow. Like, like giddy? Oh, giddy. I like that. That's another okay. one. I think of that as filled with energy, but I'd have to Google the exact one. I'm sure Wikipedia's yeah. got the answer. <laughs> anyway, I'm coming to appreciate just how many different kinds of humor there are. Earlier, I was thinking about like cleverness. I think that's a interesting kind of humor that I think can be used for good or bad. I I sometimes, I sometimes meet very clever people who I just fall in love with. And I also meet very clever people who I feel like are using how clever they are just to prove to me how clever they are. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you just use that hand gesture. It's one upping. Mm -hmm. Um, And so anyway, you know, maybe some of these forms of humor can be used for good. Some can be used for bad. Maybe they can all be used for good and bad, depending on the intentionality of it. But it's so much more complex than just like silliness. Um, Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right. I believe And it's my understanding that any form of humor could, and the word is could, be therapeutic when the intentionality 
is put forth. Now, we all know that intention and outcome are different, yeah. which is why affirmations are so powerful because we're honoring the intention, even if the outcome is less successful. You can attempt humor with a good intention and still have a negative or less positive outcome. And that's important. That's what, that's what the whole, that's what the whole podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I've been been talking about that for six seasons and I wrote a book about it. Um, So (laughs) you are, you're speaking my language. I, 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 I have such a soft spot in my heart, Mallory, for the people who really did mean well and then go like, uh-oh, that didn't work out so well. I, I don't know why I love them so dearly, but I do. I just, I love the people who are like, eh, I was coming from a good place and I just totally put my foot in my mouth. Somehow mm-hmm. it just deepens my love for them more. And that's why I've been doing this for six seasons. I interrupted you. you I just got excited because you were talking about my people. Oh, yes. Well, I I will own up to a time where I was using humor and it ended up activating a participant in my audience. And it was completely something I was unaware would be an activation point. And so I spoke to a bunch of teachers that are preschool teachers. It was within a Head Start organization. And the topic of my speech was applying humor to reduce stress. Mm. And these folks were, some of them were my own children's preschool teachers. Mm -hmm. So I joked, I said, y'all, some of you are the reason my children are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's a joke. It's funny. I'm trying to thank them for their effort. And at the conclusion of the presentation, a woman came up to me and said, I lost a child. And when you said, these people are the reason my children are still alive, it really upset me. And I need you to know that there are people in here that have lost their children. Thud. Yeah. And in that moment, remember, it's not every moment where it's like, ching. Yeah. I said, thank you for telling me that. That was a really painful moment for you. Something I didn't realize would be experienced. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that that's something I need to think about. And the truth is, is we can't be prepared for everything that will activate an audience member. Mm -mm. And that doesn't always mean that I need to change what I say in the future either. So that's something that was challenging because that all of a sudden I was rethinking everything in that presentation. What else did I say? What else did I say? What else did I say? And what that told me was, again, we have to create safety and remind people that it's okay for you to ask for what you need. Yeah. And she told me what she needed. She told me she excused herself to take a few deep breaths and she connected with some people that knew her story. And so I was appreciative that she knew what she needed and she mm-hmm. sought it out. And, you know, yeah. I, I, that was all I could do in that moment. And mm-hmm. I took a few deep breaths for myself and that was a hard one. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is not the same thing I know, but I, I give a lot of presentations on topics related to violence and trauma. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I used to start my presentations with this big trigger warning and, you know, all this like unsolicited advice about here's how you can take care of yourself if you are triggered while I'm speaking. And then I realized like people who've been through violence and trauma get triggered when they watch TV and turn on the radio and walk down the street and they know probably pretty well how to take care of themselves. So now I start by saying this presentation does include some themes of violence and trauma and I completely trust you to figure out when you need to take a break and how you need to take care of yourself. And you don't need me to teach you how to do that. Let's get started. Um, And it sounds like the woman who came up to you also knew how to take good care of herself because you are not the only person who's made a joke that has rubbed up against her, her, her pain a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it, that's actually what I ended up taking away from that brief conversation with her is that even though my title of my presentation is about humor, humor and stress, for example, that oftentimes humor is catharsis. It's Mm -hmm. because it's often a a burst, an expression when feeling is full, that is very similar to tears and pain. And we need to know that we can be activated both in very pleasant ways and less pleasant ways, Mm -hmm. even when we're talking about humor. And I talk about mental health. I talk about suicide risk. I talk about challenges because humor is often used as a reframe. So I have decided that I will give sort of that same disclaimer. I know this sounds like it's going to be a fun experience, and I hope it is for you. And because we're also going to talk about topics that may be less pleasant, if there's something that you need to do to help yourself feel comfortable throughout, I uh, give you complete acceptance that that you get to do whatever Mm -hmm. helps you stay comfortable today throughout this presentation. Yeah. Well, this is all huge, Mallory, and and I I often try <laughs> try at the end of the podcast to like tie it all together in some like meaningful statement, but I don't I don't know I feel like instead I I'm 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 feeling like I'm taking a lot in and just having a moment of appreciation for the complexity of it all, um, and I'm I'm reflecting on the way that I approached the topic in the past. And probably far oversimplified the idea of humor as a as a helping tool, and so that's why I'm just so grateful that we did this because I think you've introduced just some layers to this that I think the average person would never know. It really does speak to your training and your expertise in this. Um, so thank you for being here and thank you for doing this. Um, I suspect that there will be people who have questions or comments or want to, you know, here's what I'm predicting. People are going to want to share their own stories of times that humor either really helped them or really offended them or something like that. People are going to want to tell us those things. And to the audience listening, I I welcome that. Um, What I'm going to do is put some information about Mallory on the Only Trying to Help website in case you'd like to find her, talk to her, find her TED Talk, find, you know, materials that she has on the internet. But as always, it is always a possibility that the audience members can email me. 
using kate at onlytryingtohelp.com if anything comes up. Um, Mallory, as we're sort of signing off and saying goodbye, is there anything else you'd like to tell us? I just am excited to have had the time with you today. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a great time and uh, I, I like to say haphazard humor hurts, uh, but intentional humor helps. So just if, if you're thinking about how to be helpful with humor, just always remember intention. Yeah. Haphazard hu humor hurts and mm -hmm intentional humor helps. Did I get it right? Yep. Okay. I like that. I think that's something people can remember. Thank you so much, Mallory. And maybe we can do this again sometime, my friend. Yay. <laughs>